the 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 Roman law was on was on the line because at this time uh, Israel was under the occupation of the Roman Empire and the Romans had a law that Israel could not carry out their own executions. Uh, they had to have permission from the Romans in order to execute someone. That's why uh, when the, the chief priests and the and the rulers and the scribes got together and they wanted uh, to have Jesus put to death, Pilate tried to turn it back on them and said, hey, you, you guys do it. Don't, don't drag me into this. You, you want to put to death, you do it. And they reminded Pilate, you have a law. You Romans have a law that uh, we can't carry out our executions. You have to do it. And so if he had said, yes, this woman does need to be put to death according to the law of Moses, then they could have said, he, he's an insurrectionist. He's He's a he's a traitor. He's he's uh, trying to incite. Uh, uh, he's trying to overthrow the Roman government. He's he's, uh, he's breaking Roman law. By this time, Jesus had uh, had already gained a reputation and a well-deserved reputation for being a friend of sinners. Thank God, Jesus is a friend of sinners. And Jesus had said, "That's right. Stone her to death."
that we don't have the authority based on the word of God to call sin, sin. In other words, we're all sinners. None of us is without sin. So therefore, we can't say that murder is wrong. We can't say that abortion is wrong. We can't say that adultery or greed or fornication or lust or pride or gossip. We can't say that those things are wrong because after all, Jesus said, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. You can't cast stones because Jesus said, you're not without sin. That's how a lot of people interpret that verse. But that's not at all what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying that we cannot stand on the authority of Scripture and say the Word of God calls this a sin, and it's a sin. God said it's wrong, and by the authority of His Scriptures, we can say that this is wrong. It doesn't mean that we're any better than anybody else. It doesn't mean that we're without sin. But it simply means that based on the authority of God's Word, not on the, the authority of my opinions, not on the authority uh, of, of my uh, ideas of self-righteousness, but based on the authority of God's Word, God says this is wrong. So that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying that we can't call a spade a spade. What he's doing here is, he is, he is getting a point across. You see, the Pharisees and the scribes, they thought that they took the law very seriously. I mean, they, they had this, this pretense that they, that they took the law more seriously than anybody. I mean, they, they were the, the legal eagles. They thought that, that they knew the law backwards and forwards, and they, they wanted you to think, and they had probably convinced themselves that they were the, the moral paradigms, the, the moral exemplars of the law. We know the law, and we keep the law, and, and we do it better than anybody else. They thought that they took the law seriously. But Jesus is about to prove to them that they really didn't take the law very seriously at all. They didn't take the law seriously enough. Here they were thinking that they were upholding the law, and Jesus is about to prove to them that they had already violated the law in the process of this stunt they're trying to pull. You see, when you read through the Old Testament, you might get the idea. I mean, there are, there are a lot of sins in the Old Testament that uh, were punishable by death. The Old Testament law prescribed the death penalty, prescribed stoning to death for all sorts of different sins and different crimes. I mean, uh, all sorts of things, murder, adultery, stealing, uh, children who were disobedient to parents, I mean, lots and lots of sins were punishable by death. When you read through the Old Testament, you read about all the sins that you could be stoned to death for, you might get the idea that there was an execution every other day of the week in Israel. But even though there were many sins that were punishable by death, history records, and, and it makes sense when you, when you uh, read through the law, that it was actually very rare for the death penalty to be carried out. Uh, I read one Jewish historian who said that in ancient Israel, uh, the death penalty
penalty was only filled out about once every other generation. And the reason for that is that even though uh, God's law prescribed uh, the death penalty, it prescribed stoning to death for lots of different sins and lots of different crimes, God's law also had a very high standard for due process. God's, uh, God's law had a very high standard uh, for how it was to be carried out. Go back to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1, actually several places in Deuteronomy. It talks about how um, in the, there had to be at least two or three eyewitnesses. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And so for someone to be put to death for murder, or in this case for someone to be put to death for adultery, uh, there had to be at least two or three eyewitnesses who caught them in the very act. That's why those words are so important. They specify this woman was caught in the very act. It wasn't enough just to see two people come out of the bedroom together. It wasn't enough just to see two people uh, in suspicious circumstances. They had to be caught in the act in order uh, for them to be stoned to death. Uh, and so, if you think about it, it it's actually pretty, pretty rare circumstances where there would be two or three people who stumble upon two people committing adultery. I mean, that's not something that you just see every day. I mean, there have to be some unusual circumstances for that to be the case. Not only that, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1 tells, uh, tells Israel, Someone 
they had to be the first person at the execution to pick up a stone and throw the first stone at the execution. Uh, the, the accuser, the, the first eyewitness, had to be the one to cast the first stone. But that accuser could not be guilty of the same sin and the same crime that the person being put to death was guilty of. So, you know, if, if, if I was uh, a murderer and I'm accusing you of theft, I could stone you to death. I could accuse you of, of theft, even if I'm guilty of murder or even if I'm uh, guilty of, of uh, being disobedient to my parents or guilty of any of those other sins uh, that were punishable by death. I could be guilty of some other sin and still accuse you of of, of stealing. And I could cast the first stone, but if I was guilty of stealing as well, if I was guilty of the same sin that you were guilty of, if I was if I was a thief and you were a thief, then I would not be allowed. I could not justly be your accuser and I couldn't cast the stone. That's what the law said. And so Jesus says, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone. And again, he stood down and Jesus just utters that one sentence. One sentence. Gets back down the ground and starts riding away with his finger again. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. Without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. In other words, all right, you can you can cast a stone at her as long as you're not guilty of the same sin. Gets back down on the ground, starts writing with his finger, and as he's writing with his finger, silence falls upon the whole place, and they start walking out one by one. And it says that they were convicted by their own conscience. Their, their conscience. Uh, began to convict them. They went out one at a time, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, from the oldest to the youngest. I, I listened to two sermons on this same passage of scripture by a uh, preacher. One he preached in 1992, and the other one he preached in 2006. I don't know exactly how old he was in either of those days, but he was considerably older by 2006 than he was in 1992. In 1992, he explained that verse this way. He said that the reason that they went out from the oldest to the youngest was that the older ones had been sinning long. By the time this man was considerably older, he said that the reason that the older ones left first before the younger ones was uh, the older we get, the more we're able to recognize our own sin, the more we're able to to, to acknowledge the fact that we're sinners. It's a lot easier for us to, to recognize our sinfulness. Either way, it says that as they left, Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. So the whole crowd has disappeared. It's just Jesus and this woman who's been caught in the act of adultery. And when Jesus had lifted up himself, he saw none but the woman. He said unto her, Woman, 
future of the other. We say, I don't condemn you. You can do whatever you want. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to call sin sin. I'm not going to. I'm not going to condemn you. They forget to say, go and sin no more. Then there are some people who say, go and sin no more, and they condemn you. That's what the that's what the Pharisees and the scribes were doing. They they were saying, hey, we got to get rid of these sinners. Go and sin no more. So we're going to go condemn everybody except ourselves. That's what the Pharisees and scribes were doing. That's what a lot of folks do today. Jesus doesn't fall into either one of those ditches. He's extremely balanced, and he's the only person who could be. The reason he said, I don't even know she was guilty. The reason that this woman, even though she was guilty of sin, yet she was not condemned, is because Jesus, even though he was not guilty, he was condemned for our sake. Christ was not guilty of any sin. He was not guilty of any crime. He had never done anything wrong. He never even had an impure thought. Even though Jesus was not guilty of him, there was no sin in him. There was no guile in him. He, he never did anything wrong. Even though he was not guilty, he was condemned for your sake and for mine. He was condemned for sins that he never committed. He was condemned even though he was not guilty. So that sinners like this woman and like me and like you, who are guilty, who know that we're guilty, there's no excuse. There's no other way around it. There's, a, there, there's no saying or much. We're all guilty. But yet, even though we're guilty, we're not condemned because he was condemned for our sake. Then he says, go and sin no Most folks have that exact Most people say, you'll go and sin no more. Then Jesus will say, You'll just go and sin no more. You can just keep from sinning. Hold on real tight. Then maybe you won't be convinced. Jesus said it's the other way around. I know you're guilty. I know you violated God's law. I know you sinned because of the condemnation of Jesus Christ and your own cross. Even though we're all guilty, our sins have been put away 